welcome to the HIM Careers Club podcast. My name is Valerie Page and I'm a registered health information technician, founder and CEO of the HIM Blueprint for Success. And I teach HIM professionals how to scale their careers with the RACA and ICAD POW method. I created the HIM Careers Club podcast for professionals just like you. Join me each week as I bridge the gap with professionals from different parts of the healthcare industry, discuss up and coming developments in healthcare, career strategies, self-development, and more. Whether you're in school, a recent graduate with no experience, or pivoting in your career, you'll get actionable tips and strategies right here that will take your mindset and career to the next level. Make sure you stick around, friend. Hello, everyone. Today we have with us Dr. Angela Kennedy, who is the CEO of Kahim. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule today and speaking with me. I like to have my guests introduce themselves so that nothing is missing. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Oh, well, thanks so much, Valerie, for having me on this afternoon. It's just a pleasure to be here. And I'm Dr. Angela Kennedy. I'm the CEO of Kahim, the Commission on Accreditation of Health Informatics and Information Management Education. KHIM, of course, is a 501c3 nonprofit that our primary purpose is to accredit or approve academic programs. And our main goal is transparency to the public, but that's just kind of overview. And about me, I am a longstanding AHIMA member and a member of maybe a few other associations as well, but I'm a career educator, I guess you should say. I was I served in some other capacities in healthcare facilities for a number of years and then moved into higher education. And it's just been a blessing to me and my family and then onto this job at KHIM. So that's probably just a quick version of who I am. But I've been at KHIM now since 2017. And I absolutely love working with all of our academic programs around the country. Those educators, they are, they're just my heart. Uh, I love higher education. So it's a good place for me to be. So I'm glad that you touched on what the institution does, but if you can give us a little more detail on exactly what Kahim is. So just a little backstory for myself when I first got into health information management, there was another school that I was actually considering the school will remain unnamed because I do not want to put them out there like that. But being able to sit for the RHIT credential was very important to me. That, that was one of my end career goals. And it was this other school that was trying to convince me to go ahead and enroll with them that, oh, you'll still be able to go after the same positions and everything. But the RHIT credential was very important to me. They still was trying to get me to enroll in the school. And I'm glad I did my research and double check to make sure if the school had the accreditation and they did not. I almost want to say, I don't want to put it out there like that, but this school, like they almost like lied to me, lied to me to get me to enroll with them. But there's been a lot of people who's actually came and messaged me and they're like, what's the difference between going to a school who does not have the accreditation versus a school that, so one of the major differences for myself is like the ability to sit for the RHIT or the RHIA exam. So can you just give us a little more details on why some students should consider schools that have the accreditation? So there's just a lot of reasons, Valerie. And so about the commission a little bit, 
we strive to provide the public with effective and consistent quality monitoring of academic programs in health information management and in health informatics. And we do this through maintenance of accreditation policies and processes. We also provide tools for assessing continuous quality improvement through the partnership with colleges and universities. We have a voluntary peer review process and an annual program monitoring as means that we work with programs to improve quality. Now, accreditation, KM accreditation, is going to support graduate competencies and job marketability for our graduates, recruitment opportunities through the online program directory, which we can talk more about, and of course, eligibility to a variety of services, certifications, which are those RHIT, RHIA certifications that you just mentioned, but also scholarships, stipends, and other resources to very generous member partners, the American Health Information Management Association and the American Medical Informatics Association. There are two primary member partners, or only two. And then we have other business partnerships, but they're a little bit different than our heavy hitters, AHIMA and AMIA. We do workshops and newsletters and updates and all kinds of things for program management. But you you touched on something that I think is very, very important, and that is the value of accreditation. Now, it's very important that if you have students that are attending an academic program, if they are seeking the RHIT or RHIA credential, that they do look for an accrediting accredited program. So they will be looking for the KM seal. But it's not just the seal. They need to read and ask questions. Are, do you hold current KHIM accreditation? In other words, is your accreditation status up to date? Programs can find this on our program directory, and I'll talk about that a little bit. But there's also a couple of other things that they can find out there as well, and we'll go through that. But the value of accreditation, because this is kind of the space where I live and breathe along with our academic programs, there's different points that we have to mention. And I just want to open by saying that I listened to one of our U.S. senators a couple of years ago, probably must have been about 2019 or the beginning of 2020 at our CHIA conference in Washington, D.C. Now, CHIA is the Council on Higher Education Accreditation, and they are our accreditor. So just as we impose standards for quality on our colleges and universities' academic programs, we also walk the line where quality is concerned, and we find that recognition by CHIA very, very valuable. So when we talk about this, the senator told us that some 40,000 plus students showed up at their institution to find the doors closed. So these students did not have class. They didn't have a university. Had they paid maybe lots of money or invested in financial aid where financial aid had invested in them where they would have to repay these things, these institutions had closed. And then sometimes you also have programs that close as well. Now you say, okay, so we'll just transfer our hours to another institution. Maybe not so because accredited programs, when they take a look at someone who has closed or lost their institutional or programmatic programmatic accreditation, then they usually have problems just accepting all of that credit from that student because they are unsure about the quality. Now, it's not that they don't want those students enrolled in their programs. What they want to do is give that student their best chance for success. And that means making sure that a student can matriculate through a curriculum. If they're going to come to that new university and start taking classes, investing in their future, paying all those fees because we know higher ed is expensive, 
they want to make sure that that student can be successful. Now, some academic programs actually have gap courses or they have competency-based examinations that a student can sit for and they can give them, grant them some of that credit or allow them to matriculate. So there are a lot of things that people can do. But if you think about the cost of higher education and the money that students spend to go to school because they want a career on the other side of this, they want to be a member of a profession that's going to take them hopefully through life. So to show up in the doors because that is just, you think, does that really happen? Yes, it does. And it happens every day. But the value of accreditation goes more than just being able to transfer credit from one university or college or program to another. If we think about the employers, signals that two prospective employers that the education that that student has received is has met acceptable standards, that it is following the curriculum that has been set and the competencies that have been set by that professional association. So in other words, that program can't just go out and teach anything they want to teach. They are following a set of competencies that have been prescribed and deemed appropriate by the professional association. And that is very, very important. But not only that, it clarifies the knowledge, skills, and attitudes that graduates from accredited programs are supposed to possess. It also ensures that those graduates have that current knowledge and they're ready to work. It encourages innovation in those academic programs so that students aren't, when they graduate, just ready for the job that exists today, but that they also can continue to perform for those jobs and those emerging jobs that are going to exist tomorrow and the next day and on and on. It really becomes a catalyst for innovation just by encouraging our faculty and our programs to serve as a catalyst for innovation. And so when we think about that, we also have to think about faculty. One of the things that we make sure of when we assess a program is that they have qualified faculty in that classroom with those students, meaning they are up to date on professional development. They are keeping track of the trends. Their curriculum is current, but they're also qualified to teach those students in that classroom. So when we talk about KM accreditation, we are encouraging programs to recruit the best, the brightest, and the most qualified individuals to be in there with those students. We also look at the funding that is provided to those programs because we know that you can't just have a program in qualified faculty. You also have to have resources for those students so that they can be successful. And then it even goes beyond that to the profession. Upholding the public's expectations that institutions comply with professional field standards by conducting ongoing evaluations of their performance is critical. That's how we know that these programs, if they are, if we're saying they're aligned with the profession that they really are, otherwise they could tell us they are and maybe they're not. It really creates partnerships and ideas for exchange, best practices. It helps students to transfer from the academic setting over to the work setting, but also into professional roles, maybe volunteer roles or other things that are going to serve them throughout their career. It really contributes to professional unity because it brings together practitioners and educators and students to actively direct and improve professional preparation and practice. So it's very, very important. And then there's this thing about the public because the public 
has expectations for students and programs. It really provides them with reliable information about institutions and programs for quality value judgments. It promotes accountability and identifying successful improvement efforts. And of course, it confirms that marketing of educational programs and student services and graduate accomplishments are fair and accurate because you would be surprised at how many programs actually advertise things and they aren't accurate, they aren't correct. And so with KHIM, they have to do that. So if you go out to a website and you're a student, and let's say you want to be an HIM major, doesn't matter if you're an RHIT or an RHIA, or maybe you're going to be going through a master's program in HIM, or it might even be a master's program in health informatics with our other member partner, the American Medical Informatics Association. You can go to our website and you can pull down our program directory and you can actually search and see those programs that are actively accredited and in good standing. But also you'll be able to see if they went through a recent accreditation, if they have any outside or outstanding deficiencies or progress reports that are due. Because we have a little toggle on there that says, yes, most programs when they go through their accreditation process, everybody will have a little bit of something to walk away with that they have to work on, but usually it's not very much. And so you'll see all of those things out there and then students can really make a determination. Is this the program I want to attend? So it levels the playing field a, a bit. And now that so many programs are online, hey, you've got a lot of choices, right? And accreditation should be top of the list for a student. Looking for that KM seal is very, very important too. And making sure that it's followed up by language on the website that says that we hold current accreditation for whatever program that they're marketing. So I hope that helps. Is that what you're looking for? There? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. This is what I tell everyone to look for. People ask me all the time, like, so what school do you recommend? I don't like telling people the exact schools to go to, but what I will tell them is to go to the KHEMS website and look at the list accredited or excuse me, accredited programs. You can find it on the associate's degree level, bachelor's degree, master's degree, go there. And like you said, there's online classes now, so it's all over the place, right? And then also international, right? Yes. I don't think there's an international list on the website. Currently, we're not in the international space. And so that's coming soon. So stay tuned because we do have some U.S. universities that are lining with international programs. And so you'll be hearing more about that, I'm pretty sure, in the future. One thing that you can find on the KHIM website, something that's very, very important, and those are our KHIM standards. And those KHIM standards provide academic programs with direction, what they're going to have to do to achieve and maintain accreditation for the long term. And students can actually go out there and they can see those standards as well and know what those programs are supposed to be doing to remain accredited. Now, in terms of curriculum, curriculum is rolled out through the professional association. And so we do that in partnership with the American Health Information Management Association and the American Medical Informatics Association. So the curriculum you actually find on the professional association's website. So if we've got an educator or someone that's looking for curriculum, they can go out to CoreShare on the AHIMA website. And I think that now there's probably a little toggle that most educators, you're probably already enrolled and you would just look under the new learning center and you would find it there. If it's not a part of your CoreShare, you can email, it's academic.affairs at ahima.org and they will register you and you'll be able to get to all of that good meat for curriculum. 
This is really important for our educators, our professional practice coordinators, so they'll know what we're looking for when those students go out there. But the professional associations hold those competencies, and they're really easy to find. And of course, Christy Lower there at AHIMA, as well as Keith Olenek, they're very good at getting resources out to the public when they're needed and when it's something that our educators are requesting. Okay. So with that being said, I did see that as of September 1st, 2021, all KHIM accredited programs must be compliant with the 2018 KHIM standards. The talks, there's talks in the Facebook group have to take a gap or a refresher course in order to sit for the RHIT exam because it's going to be a little different with the curriculum change. The current students that are still enrolled should be fine. They should be ready to roll because their institution should, that's a part of it. They've got to offer and make sure those students are ready to graduate because they're saying that is current practice. You've got to be ready to roll. Students who have already graduated, yes, they want to look for gap courses and resources and materials to bring them up to speed. And if you've been practicing, you probably are there, but it never hurts to rely on some external resources just to get you wrapped around what you might see on that exam. Got it. That clears that up. So you guys, I hope you guys took that in. So if you've already graduated from a program and you sat for the RHIT exam and you didn't pass it the first go around and you're planning to sit for the RHIT exam and it's after September the 1st, 2021, you'd want to check back in with the program that you graduated from to see if there are any gap courses that you can take to get you ready for the RHIT exam. Okay. Is that right? I want to make sure I said that right. You are right. Okay. Got it. So I think you said this, but I'm going to ask you again, where can students keep abreast of the curriculum changes? Where can we go and find this information? I know that I'm able to find it because I'm a researcher, but a lot of people get stuck and you go to the website and there's so much information you don't know the first place to go. So where would we find this information online? So if you're prepping for an exam, your best bet for resources is to look at what is under a HEMA certification for exam prep. If you're looking for curriculum, you're a student looking for curriculum, you've got to go to your academic institution. If you're a faculty or a professional, then you go to academic affairs at AHIMA and then they will release that. But it's not just out there publicly where you can click and there it is, but you can request access to it and they will provide that to you. And of course, it's always available to faculty. Got it. Okay. Now this is the big question here. Okay, <laughs> this I'm is ready. The question that ruffled a lot of feathers. And the question is, are there any plans to phase out the RHIT credential? So I'll tell you what I know, but you know, certification is not KHIM. Certification is AHIMA. And in my conversations with Keith Olenek, this is his area. And in my conversations with Christy, as well as in Christy's education, but CHIM, and we do, we have a lot of dialogue. They have not given me any indication that they are phasing out the RHIT credential. Now, I know AHIMA just did some adjustments to strategy and they're making some pivots, but at this time, they have not told KHIM that they are going to be phasing out the RHIT credential. So that is a big loaded question for AHIMA certification <laughs> or CHIM. Yeah. Yes, I actually found a white paper and I have it uploaded inside of my group. So anyone who's a part of my private Facebook group, I have uh, the document in there 
where it says that they decided not to proceed with that. I guess before that, it was a topic of discussion. Maybe it was a thought that they were going to do, not phase it out from my understanding, but that it was going to be RHIT plus specialty. And they decided not to proceed with that. So anyone, if you want access to that information, if you're in the group, the document is in there. Okay, these are not my words. Right. All right. That's right. <laughs> well, you know, you hear a lot of noise and as organizations make shifts in strategy and they're looking at the needs of a profession, the needs of an industry, sometimes you see proposed changes. Just because they're proposed doesn't mean that that will be the final decision that's made by that organization. They're certainly going to make decisions that are right for the profession as a whole. And yes, you are right. That is a big time hot topic. And professionals who hold those RHIT credentials, they want to know if their credential is, is still going to be valid and recognized by the professional association. At KHIM, we are just, we're strictly accreditation. And so I can't answer those uh, CCHIM or AHIMA questions, but I they can give you some answers. But at this time, they're pretty upfront with KHIM. They have not given us any indication that is going away. All right. And then... I see in 2018, KHIM initiated a call of action for the development of stakeholder-endorsed career path models that incorporates multiple coordinated career paths for informatics professionals in healthcare. So I wanted to ask, what is the status of this? And is there any talks of including health information management and health information technology? Because what I see online, it's very limited. I hear this a lot. And what I talk about on my social media platforms all the different industries and job sectors that health information management professionals can work in, they're just completely unaware of them. They're thinking that they can only work in hospitals, doctors' offices, and there's just so much more opportunities out there for us. And if you think it's out of that box, you're limiting the opportunities that you can go after. Like we could work in the, the sports industry. The NBA is hiring health information management professionals, the beauty industry with cosmetologists and dermatologists in the retail industry. We have Amazon and Walmart breaking into the healthcare industry and big tech like Google and Microsoft. And we even have the cannabis industry that's up and coming, that's hiring HIM professionals. But when we go online as students and as experienced HIM professionals, we go online and we try to look at different areas where we can work you just see that like the hospitals and the doctor's offices is very, very limited. So I just wanted to see the status, what's going on with that. So my advice would be that when students go out there and do a search, they focus on their competencies and the things, the knowledge that they're graduating with and not so much the job title. And they might just find that perfect job and it may not be labeled HIM in any way. And you are absolutely right. If you are looking at HIM as a title, you may be missing some real opportunities. Right now, we have a research group that is looking specifically at this at KM. And I know Ahima has some work going on in the area, and so does Amy as well. When we did that paper back in 2018, we brought together Amy and Ahima to really evaluate and look at career laddering and where we shared, where we had commonalities and differences, and then how to direct people in and out of roles and what they might need for professional development, et cetera. And then each individual organization developed or started, began their work developing different types of career ladders and career paths. I can't speak for those organizations to say where they are in the process of publication. What I can say is exactly what you said is when you go out there and you look, 
there are lots of opportunities out there. If you limit yourself to coding or HIM, you are really, really limiting your search. What you should focus on are your competencies, the knowledge that you're, le that you're leaving with and look for a job and look outside of the walls that maybe you define as healthcare because really every organization has some element of healthcare. Even if you're working for a private company, they have people in human resources that help you with your health insurance plans and allocations. Some employers privately fund their insurance. And so they have health information managers working for them. And it's really up to you. So you just have to pull those blinders off and ask tough questions. We have a research group right now and we're looking at, we found probably over 800 different job titles out there doing some scraping on some recruiter websites. And we have a series of papers planned that we'll be releasing in the upcoming year. The first one, probably, I don't know if it's going to reach the public by the end of the year. It'll probably be in 2022. And then we have some that follows that really gets down and picks some of these things apart and defines it. So there's definitely work in the area. Now, HEMA may have some things. I know they had a similar project going. And so they may actually release a paper before we get ours out. But all of that will complement each other. And it's meant to help these students find jobs and really put them on the path to a great career. Awesome. I love it. I'm glad to hear that. As a practitioner in the field, I mean, I would love to help you guys with that because I already have something that has 500 plus positions, 40 plus industries and 13 plus different departments that HIM professionals can work in. And when they get access to this, it's just mind blowing. Like they're just tunnel vision on hospitals and doctor's offices and being in the healthcare industry for 16 years, I've been exposed to different parts of the, of the industry. They're always like, how do you know all these different opportunities? And it's because I've been in the industry for so long and I've learned along the way. But at the beginning, when I graduated, I had no idea at all. This is not information that I received from school. This is like years of learning over time. So it's, it's like to shorten the gap, shorten the learning curve. You don't have to wait 15, 16 years before you find out about all these other industries that we can work in. You can get access to this information right now. So I'm glad that all of the associations are working on something for us because I can't reach out to everyone. There's thousands and thousands of professionals in the industry and my audience is probably only maybe about 3,000 in size. And I know there's way more of us out there and there's individuals who are struggling to find work, feeling like no one wants to hire them. And a part of the problem is not knowing about all of the opportunities that are out there for us. I'm just glad that something is in the works. Yeah, don't spend your time. I always tell my kids this. Don't spend all your time staring at your belly button. Because if you do, <laughs> you're not going to get very far, right? So if you limit yourself to how you define health care, meaning a hospital or a clinic, you are really putting yourself in a box and you're really limiting, you're limiting a lot of things. You're limiting your potential to grow as a professional in some ways because you are limiting or you're going to specialize in that area only. And you might possibly be limiting your possibilities to expand your income or into some other areas. So it's not to say that working for a hospital or a clinic isn't where you're supposed to be because Definitely, they need HIM professionals. Remember that years ago, we determined that HIM is not a department. 
it doesn't have walls. It's everywhere. It's all across those facilities and it infiltrates into every area of healthcare. And so you may not apply necessarily under HIM. You may be applying under something else, even in those organizations. So yeah, you just have to look and you have to open up your mind to other opportunities. Yes, I love that. I love that you said that, Dr. Kennedy. HIM does not have walls. I'm going to have to quote that and put your name under there. HIM does not have walls. Perfectly said. Oh my goodness. Well, I want to thank you so much for spending your afternoon with me. Do you have any words of advice for all of the aspiring students and HIM professionals that are listening to you right now? Yeah, I can talk forever. You got a Southern lady on on the line here. Well, one thing that I can tell you is HIM has served me and my family very well for a number of years, and it just continues to bless us. And it will continue to bless you. It is a profession that you can be proud to be in. It is not something that when someone asks you, well, what do you do? I think it opens the door for you to have some lengthy conversations about the importance of your role as an HIM professional in their care and the care of their family members in the future. And also just the HIM holds keys to the kitchen on revenue cycle and reimbursement and the cost of healthcare. There's a lot to it. And I know that your high school kid or your college kid may not want to listen to all of that, but You really have to focus and know that we play a critical role in the healthcare ecosystem. It's not just for people who are sick, but it is for people who are well. Because at some point, every person will encounter healthcare in the United States. Your future is bright. Keep pushing. You are in a great field. Just keep at it. I know you all will do great. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me. Another great episode. Thanks for joining us today. I want to know what you enjoyed the most about this podcast session. What was your biggest takeaway? Make sure that you tag me on Instagram at Valerie Page underscore R-H-I-T. Tag and let me know what was your biggest takeaway. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to share this with all your HIM friends.